This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Trey. Thank you for joining us for a Thursday edition, which is really, if truth be told, it's Mary Langston's podcast. She's just kind enough to let me kind of introduce her and welcome you all and take a stab at answering what I hope are all sports related questions. But it was a really bad weekend for me. I hope we don't have any sports questions or I hope somebody in an act of mercy edited all those questions out. I don't know what's on tap. I don't even know if Mary Langston's there. Are you? I'm here, and oh, the there good you news is, is there aren't any sports questions today. Good, because good. it was a miserable weekend. I, it was miserable, and I didn't even watch it because I was working, as you know. I think mm-hmm. you were, too, Sunday night. That's I did right. not stop my friends from texting me in the middle of the show, which, you know, among other things, it lets me know what they were doing while my <laughs> show was on. They were not watching it, but but that's okay. I mean, it's the playoffs, NFL playoffs, but very disheartening. Donda, me, my daughter is not old enough. Abigail is not old enough to have seen Dallas play in the Super Bowl. I hope she's not able to say that, you know, when she's 120, but she can certainly say that at age 20, almost 26. Well, hopefully she will see that happen one day soon. Yeah, not sadly, not this one, but what I saw over the weekend. But I want to talk about that. I'd rather talk about paying taxes and talk about Dallas. So, uh, well, we'll we'll move on. There's a lot on people's minds, a lot of classified documents people want you to talk about. And you also had a new book that came out on Tuesday, Start, Stay or Leave. So we have lots to talk about. I know a little bit about the book, probably not as much as you do, but you say classified documents. I wonder why that's in the news. Right. Well, Thomas actually has asked about it. So I guess we'll start with that question. And he says, classified documents were found at President Biden's house in Delaware. How bad does this hurt the United States of America and security? Well, Thomas, that's a great question. My answer will be the same for also what was found at Mar-a-Lago with respect to former President Trump, now President, formerly Senator and Vice President Biden, and also quite candidly, Vice President Pence's home, which was kind of a recent disclosure. We will not know how damaging it has been for the United States. I started to say if at all. I mean, it's never good to have There's a reason the classified material has to be handled a certain way. So I'm reluctant to say if at all, because I think even the belief that we safeguard our documents is damaged anytime someone does not do that. In terms of what I think he's getting at is whether the national security has been jeopardized in a 
really significant way. And we won't know that for any of those three fact patterns, Mar-a-Lago, now President Biden's home, Beach House, Vice President Pence's home, or quite candidly, anyone else. I mean, we know of those three, and I'm not suspicious. I'm not accusing anyone. You're innocent until proven guilty. I'm going to be surprised if some piece of paper is not somewhere else, but we will not know until an assessment is done. And by that, I mean, I think even as we speak, the director of intelligence, uh, the DNI, which is what John Ratcliffe used to be and what the former center coach used to be, uh, the director of national intelligence, I believe, even as we speak, is doing an assessment. But you can do one and I'll tell you how to do it. You need to know what documents were found. And I don't say that flippantly. We're going to get in you know, later on, we'll talk about the overclassification, which we hear a lot about. That to me is a separate issue. Oh, uh, yes, things are overclassified, but that doesn't mean that you should treat things that are classified in a haphazard way. That's a separate conversation. But we need to know what was found. And that's for two reasons. When you know what documents were found, then you can better assess the risk to the country, but you can also probably glean motivation for why it would have been taken. So hypothetically, some people may take things as mementos. They may take something that has been deemed classified because they had a role in it, whether it was you know, hypothetically a raid or a decision that was made. Some people may take information because they're writing a book. And I mean, you obviously cannot include classified information in a book you're writing, but maybe you want that so you can write around what is classified. And by that, I mean, you get a piece of paper. There may be one sentence in that piece of paper that is, quote, classified. So maybe you took the piece of paper because of something that was in other paragraphs. It's still wrong. It's 100 percent wrong. But the motive is different. The motive was not to take the classified information. The motive was to take what was around it. So that is not a defense. I'm not offering that as a defense. I'm just saying we're not going to know until we know what was found. And so that's what I'm really interested in, because it's going to help me ascertain the motive or it's going to help the experts do their analysis of the risk. Now, you hear a lot about overclassification, and it is real. The entities that are able to classify information are vast and varied. And what you cannot do is classify material to protect yourself from embarrassment, which sometimes is done. You cannot classify material solely to keep it from public disclosure, which sometimes is done. There is overclassification, period, new paragraph. But that is not a license to give short shrift to our classification laws or to ignore classification. I mean, there are those who think drugs should be legalized, but that is not a license currently to use or sell them. There are those who think the drinking age should be lowered, but that is not a license currently to violate it. Those are different arguments. You may wish the law were different, but you got to follow it as it is. So do not be misled by this overclassification. Yes, it is real, but the law is real too. So if and when we learn what documents were taken by President Trump, Senator and Vice President Biden, Vice President Pence, then we're going to have a better idea of the motivation behind, you know, I don't like the word motive, but we'll say motive, the motive behind it, if any, because again, lawyers, there's a reason people don't like lawyers. And it could be that a document was taken for information that is not classified. It just had a classified sentence in it. We won't know that. 
And we won't know the risk to the national security until the assessment is done by experts, by professionals. And that doesn't mean me. And God knows it doesn't mean the reporters. Well, thank you so much, Trey. And thank you, Thomas, for that question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Our next question is from Keith, and he actually has several questions, Trey. So if you need me to repeat anything, let me know. The first question is, what I, makes I don't a... need you to repeat it as much as I just need you to maybe help me answer it. <laughs> oh, I would not be good no, at that. I have that. a we good memory. Do I just it. don't have a good mind. <laughs> you do. You do. Well, the first question is, what makes a document classified? The second question is, who determines a document should be marked classified? Three, where are classified documents supposed to be kept? Four, who is responsible to make sure classified documents stay where filed? Five, are names of people signing classified documents out recorded? And six, should the keeper of the documents signed out know that they haven't been returned? And those are the questions. You know, Mary Langston, I did I checked the life expectancy tables for someone my age. And what came up is that I'm actually not going to live long enough to be able to answer all of those questions. <laughs> we so, certainly hope so. Well, no, I mean, I, I miss it by six months. Um, no. I just checked. I'm going to try to synthesize those. Those are all fabulous questions, Keith. I'm yes. going to try to synthesize them into, you know, maybe one answer Okay. Um, and I'm just going to say, I don't pretend to be an expert. You know, Mike Pompeo, Devin Nunes, John Ratcliffe, uh, Jim Hunt. I mean, anyone who served as a CIA director, anyone who has served as the director of national intelligence, anyone who's, you know, frankly, been a chairperson of the House or Senate Intel Committee. I was on it for two years, mm-hmm. but they're going to know more than I know. But I know enough uh, to know this and to tell you this. Different agencies and departments can decide what is classified. In other words, the Department of Justice can classify its information. The Department of Defense can classify its information. The State Department, and so on and so on. And what you can find, believe it or not, in some instances, you can find the same information in a DOD. This is hypothetical, but it's actually real. You can find the same information in a DOD or DO and DOJ document. One's classified and one is not, which makes absolutely no sense. But you're kind of the keeper of your own information. Each entity, I don't want to say cabinet level official because it's broader than that. There are a lot more people than just cabinet level officials who can classify information. There are scores and scores of people who have the ability to say this is classified. What you cannot do is classify to save yourself embarrassment, uh, which is done, You cannot classify simply to avoid public disclosure, which is done. So who can classify? Lots and lots and lots of people. And you can, in theory, have different levels. The Department of Justice may consider something needs to be classified. You also have different levels of classification. I actually, as an aside, you do not need a background check to be on the House Intelligence or Senate Intelligence Committees. So You can be on those committees. You can be the chairperson of that committee and not have a background check. The theory being the election is your background check. 
if the voters want to elect someone who's not going to safeguard state secrets, then the executive branch cannot say, or whatever branch holds the material, cannot say you don't have access to it. But even that, there are so many different levels of classification. Since I've been out of Congress, I did have to go through a background check to work on a case for a civil client. They go back 30 years. I mean, I've never been so thankful that my fraternity brothers have bad memories as I was when they were doing that background check. I mean, they, it is exhaustive for normal people that are not elected, normal people who seek a clearance. But even if you have like a classified information security clearance, it does not mean you have access to everything. There are certain things that are so highly classified, maybe five people can see it. Maybe three people can see it. Probably not any fewer than three, but maybe. So there are different entities that can classify. There are different levels of classification. There are things that are not classified, but are still sensitive. And if you're a responsible person, you don't share those. It's not against the law, but if you're responsible, you don't. So y'all may not find it as staggering as I do. A document could, in theory, be classified by one entity and another not classified, even though the information is pretty much the same. And I think we've already discussed it could be a single sentence in a document. So who's responsible to make sure classified documents stay where they're supposed to be? Anyone who is accessing. I mean, everyone in the world can't access them. The fact that you have a security clearance means that you have agreed that you are going to follow protocol and rules. And they may be different for the executive branch. I mean, I've never, I mean, well, I did serve there, but only as a prosecutor. I've never been in the White House, never, never worked in the White House. I can tell you the way things work in Congress. We go into a SCIF, which is an abbreviation or maybe an acronym for a room where no phones, no Apple watches, no recording devices. You come in with your eyes and what's left of your mind and you can read it and you can take notes, but the notes stay there. You can't take anything in or out of that room. Every one of our Almost every one of our committee hearings, we had a couple of public hearings on House Intel, but 99% of them were in a skiff. You leave your phone outside. You remember this, Mary Langston, because you're probably wondering where is he and why is he not answering his phone? Because I didn't have it with me. You got to leave it outside. And you take notes. You know, I sat beside Elise Stefanik and Will Hurd was one down from her and Ricky Crawford from Arkansas was beside me. And you got all these members and they're feverishly taking notes because it's important stuff that we're hearing about. And we're getting classified briefings. I mean, classified doesn't mean written. You can receive something that is classified orally. You still can't talk about it. So we talk about classified documents. You can hear something that's classified. You still can't repeat it. So who keeps it? Everyone who's taken an oath, everyone who's agreed, everyone who has said in exchange for the privilege of seeing this information, I'm going to follow the rules. Are there names of people who kind of sign out classified documents? It would make sense. I can tell you on the House Intelligence Committee, every one of us would have a binder before one of these briefings. So they're, you know, 20 some odd binders. And then someone would collect those binders at the end. And there's a number on there. So they know if the number assigned to me is not sitting there. And you really, really quickly, I never had it happen, but you really, really will get a quick phone call saying, I know that you inadvertently may have slipped something in your briefcase, but you got to return it. 
I mean, there was no nonsense at all, which is why most of us, we looked at it, we took notes, we put our notes on top of the stack, we came in with no briefcase, no folders, no nothing, and we left with nothing. That's what the House does. I don't know what the Senate does, and I don't know what the executive branch does. I, for the life of me, do not know. And the reason I go through all that is not just to bore people, although it may have had that effect. Now, President Biden was vice president, so the rules would have probably been similar, but they would have been very different when he was a senator. So if just like Mike Pence would have had different rules when he was in the House, I don't have a clue what those rules are in the White House. But how in the world? I mean, imagine Pompeo or Ratcliffe going to brief the president or the vice president on something and they bring classified information with them. It's going to be in a locked container. They're going to have security, both of them. They're going to share it with the president. Knowing those two guys, they probably take it back and put it back where they got it. Now, if the president of the United States says, I want you to leave that with me, I'm sure somebody has kept a list. The president has the following documents, all of which have been bait stamped. I mean, there's a reason we have something called bait stamps, so you can keep up with that stuff. How this happens, I don't know. How you go 30 years I say I don't know. There are multiple copies floating around. Yes, it is partly the responsibility of the person. But imagine, imagine you are a mid-level staffer on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, hypothetically. And a senator, the chairman of the committee, says, I'm going to take this with me. You really think a staffer is going to say, no, Mr. Chairman, you are not? No. And it wouldn't matter if he or she did. So some of the burden, a lot of the burden is on the person receiving the information, not the courier. So I think the last question may be, should the keeper of documents, you know, know that they haven't been returned? Yes. And a perfect, really actually not even a perfect, a normal system? Yes. Like, I don't know, hypothetically, a library book? Yes, you should know. You know, the library knows that they have six copies of Dr. Zhivago. We don't know how many copies are floating around of classified information. Don't know. So there's got to be another way of tracking it. The way to track it, I think the responsibility should lie with the person who is looking at classified information to take his or her oath really, really seriously. And I think not to you know belabor the point even more than I already have, I think part of the excuse that people kind of formulate in their minds for not taking it seriously goes back to that overclassification. I've read stuff before. And I've said, why in the world is this classified? It's classified because the agency doesn't want it out because it's embarrassing. That's why it's classified. But that's not my decision to make. So that's a very long answer to a series of very good questions. And if I missed one, uh, forgive me, but it probably means I don't know, know the answer to it. Well, thank you so much, Trey, for answering all those questions. And thank you, Keith, for sending them our way. We have one last question, and it's from Alan. And he writes, my grandson is 19, and like 99% of all 19-year-olds, hasn't experienced much of life yet. Would you recommend your new book to him at that young age? Oh, Alan, you know, I wish I had read a book like this when I was younger. I mean, actually, I wish I'd been able to write a book like that when I was younger, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tell, I'm sure Mary Langston's heard it a million times. My kids have heard it. Every young person who's ever worked for me has heard me say, I have been your age, but you have not been my age. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know what it's like to be 19. I know what it's like to be 25. Y'all do not know what it's like to be my age. So you would hope that you do pick up 
some wisdom along the way. I actually end this book, Start, Stay, or Leave. I ended in the last chapter by talking about a conversation that I wish the younger version of myself had had with the older version of myself. Mm. So I would say not only would it be appropriate for a 19-year-old, that's how I end the book. I wish someone had told me this. That I don't want to say that because I'm sure my parents tried. I wish I had listened. And when I say that, I mean, how we define success, how we define failure, having a broader picture than just, you know, what am I going to do in the next 30 minutes? Having It's okay to dream even if, you know, I'm never going to be on the senior PGA Tour. But it's okay to go to the driving range and dream for about 30 minutes on a Sunday afternoon. That's okay. I wish someone had told me how to manage fear when I was 19 and turn it into caution. I wish that I were better at evaluating what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. So I don't know, Mary Langston, you're a whole lot closer to 19. I mean, I got golf clubs that are 19 years old, so I I don't remember what it was like to be 19. I just remember there's a reason I must have ended the book by talking about an older version of myself passing a younger version and what advice he would have. And that's because I wish I, I wish I knew this earlier in life. Well, thank you so much, Trey. I think that was well said. Dream more, manage fear, evaluate, and lots of other things. And the book's already out in bookstores. Oh, it is? So maybe Alan will get it for his grandson. We'll see what he thinks. Well, I have shocked every teacher I ever had. I'm sure they can't. I mean, somebody's <laughs> going to say, you remember that guy that was a discipline problem in class? He wrote a book. I'm sure they are not going to believe that. But you do. I know you've heard me say this, Mary Langston. I mean, you learn all. I mean, wisdom doesn't like always come as you get older, but hopefully it does. And you certainly have a much better sense of what's important and what's worth worrying about. I think my wife would tell you that, One thing I do help my kids with is to relieve what they may be nervous about or what they may be anxious about. I mean, I don't want to minimize it. It's real to them. Mm. But in the grand scheme of things, you're going to be fine. I know you're disappointed today. You may be disappointed for a week. But in the grand scheme of things, you are going to be fine. And Mm. yes, I do wish somebody when I was 19, I wish I knew at age 19, what I know now is probably a shorter way of answering Alan's question for the two or three people that are still awake. Thank you all for all your questions. And I know we're looking forward to seeing what people think about the book. And um, no, I'm thank not. you for answering no, that. No, I don't handle <laughs> negative feedback well, which is why <laughs> it doesn't I have to be negative with my wife, Mary Langston. And Tim Scott. So I get no <laughs> negative feedback. <laughs> no. Well, it doesn't I mean, have to be negative. Oh, it doesn't? No. Oh. What's the worst thing that can happen? <laughs> uh, the worst thing that can happen is I make a mistake and start reading my social media feed. That's the worst <laughs> thing that can happen. No, well, we're not going to do that. I actually have a section section in the book, which I got to remind myself, why would I get upset at what someone who's never met me and doesn't know me thinks about me? Why, why, mm. I mean, why would I? Mm, that's a good point. And that's I mean, very real right now, especially with young people. I don't get it. But maybe when I was that age, I got it. But I can tell mm. you in the grant. Well, I mean, you know, I did not have a great high school career and, and, it, and it bothered me. But I look back on it now and I think, OK, well, 
how would my life be any different if I, you know, had what I decided was a better high school career? How would it be any different? I certainly mm-hmm. couldn't have married anybody better. Mm-hmm. So it's all going to be fine. But that does not mean that we shouldn't start as soon as we can, making the very best decisions we can. 100%. I don't know the Bible like you do, but isn't there a verse about not being anxious for anything? Or did I? Mm-hmm. There's there several. Other okay. I wouldn't. I should have. I know that you or Terry or Tim Scott would know the answer to that. I know that one because I have to look at it very often. Oh, you do. Mm-hmm. Once you get it tattooed on your arm, so you don't have to go look look it up that much. <laughs> I might have to. I might have to write it on all my mirrors and everywhere in my house. Oh, I just remember: don't be anxious. Mm-hmm. That's good advice, and hope everyone else will listen to that too. Yeah, just why well, I didn't watch the Cowboys Sunday. Mm -hmm. that's why we won't talk about it uh, God willing I'll be back next Thursday and you will be too and Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully you'll let me participate in your podcast your podcast sounds great y'all have a wonderful week Uh, y'all do we'll see you next week bye bye listen ad free with a Fox News podcast plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad free on the Amazon Music app From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.